0: All right, guys, has anyone ever heard of the term idolatry before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the term idolatry. I know most of us, are church-going folks, I'm sure we have. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I thought of idolatry as just, you know, oh, there's a, you know, I don't know, an image of a cow or the image of Buddha or, you know, this or that, and, you know, oh, well, I'm not worshiping those material things, you know, those Buddhas and cows and golden golden images and things like that, and so I must not be an idolatrous, right? I must not be, uh, you know, just worshiping in an idolatrous way and everything. But uh, I don't know. I guess over the past year, God's been putting things on my heart of what he meant by idolatry, you know? Um, it goes way deeper than just worshiping a cow or... Worshiping a graven image, or or anything like that. Uh, Right here, I have in my notes. It says the second commandment goes to the heart of our relationship with our Creator. What is the proper way to worship the only true God? Let me ask you guys a question. What what do you think? What is the what is the proper way to worship God from your heart? Just what is the first thing that clicks in your mind when you think of worshiping God? I want you to go ahead and raise your hand if and and if someone would like to speak and give their opinion, you can do so. What is the first thing that comes to your thoughts when I when I talk about worshiping worshiping God? What do you, what did you see? God has been there from forever. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Yes. All right. So so basically, you just, you just saw him eternally, just worshiping him eternally. He's there forever, and he's always been there in your life, all that. And you just kept your eyes forever before him, just keeping your eyes on him instead of all the rest of this stuff in this world. You know, guys, this goes really deep. Y'all know if we have our eyes on any other thing in this world, the eyes of our heart, right? The eyes of our heart. If we have our eyes on any other thing in this world other than Jesus, that's idolatry. Y'all know that? Because what did Jesus do? One of the things that Jesus did was he he had to settle something in eternity on our behalf, right? There was something wrong with humanity, okay? Uh, We were made in the image of God. We were made in his likeness, right? But we were not reflecting him, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so we, we were not reflecting God and he had to do something in order to to create us new, right? Because even our, our, our greatest efforts in worshiping him were like filthy rags to him. Right? Because no matter what you could do to that old man that was sitting there trying to worship God, he still looked like a shadow instead of the exact imprint or image of him. You know what I'm saying? And so there had to have been something to be done to do away with that old man that in his own strength and his own efforts and his own abilities was trying to worship God, okay? Uh, Trying to present or offer something of himself to God. Um, There had to be something greater. And anyways, all right, so we're going to go on to... um, All right, what is idolatry? All right, it's serving or trusting or worshiping something other than the one true God. In Exodus 20, verses four through six, if you guys would like to turn to that, uh, I'll give you a chance to do that. Okay. He says, "'You shall not make unto you any graven image "'or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above.'" or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down yourself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now, you know, the first thing that I noticed whenever I was reading this was... You know, of course, him giving instruction, don't worship these vain idols, you know, these things that are just objects and all that. But the second thing that stood out to me was that God is a jealous God, right? But when we think of jealousy, we think of it in like a sinful way. You know, we we think of it as like, oh, I'm jealous over what you have and possess and and things like that. But God's jealousy, you remember, there's a a righteous kind kind of anger, right? And then there is a sinful kind of anger, right? There is, a, uh, there is a pure jealousy that comes from God, that comes from love, and then there is a jealousy that is sinful. And of course, the kind of jealousy God has is a pure jealousy over you, right? You are His possession. We are His possession, and He groans with jealous groanings over us. I mean, He, he is so jealous over us, guys, He has made it His, his very pursuit for, this, uh, for all times past up to this present um, and through his son Jesus to uh, become human, do, I mean, to miraculously become human, right? Talk about the jealousy of God that he would actually perform a miracle in order to display his glory and his love for us, right? That he would send his son to become human um, and share in the same flesh as us and then suffer a torturous death on our behalf, just to display, listen, look, guys, I love you, right? That's the whole time. That's what he's trying to demonstrate. He is jealous over us. He has went to the most extreme. How many of y'all have died for another person? You're still here, right? God is so jealous over us that he has literally demonstrated his jealousy and his love for us by dying for us. Right? But then, of course, he raises from the dead. He's the only one that can do that himself, right? So, you know, he was able to be raised from the dead, all that good stuff. But he's try- this whole thing that he's doing is demonstrating, hey, guys, look, I love you. I'm jealous over you as my possession, and I'm willing to do whatever, whatever, whatever it takes to, 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 to gain you back as my possession. Right? So could you imagine if that is God's perspective and he is that jealous over you, we as, as children of God, even, even us in the room, there, I don't know if there's, there might be some of you who have not given your life to Jesus, but there are others of you who have. But could you imagine, you know, being a child of God and you have God who loves you that much, but we don't, we're not showing him that honor. You know, we're not, He has that jealousy over us. And are are we meeting him on the other side? You know, he was willing that it cost his life. It, It was his whole, it possessed him to lay down his life for us. So guys, I'm telling you what he requires is no more than this and no less than this, than to lay down our life for him and to lay down our life for each other. Right? I mean, that's the bare minimum. The bare minimum is to lose our life for his sake. That's the bare minimum. And so, all right, so here we go. Uh, right here it says, God condemns idolatry because he is jealous for our worship. Uh, God doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. So he gave everything so that he could have everything from us, right? Okay. Okay. Um, there's a scripture in Colossians 3, if y'all want to turn to that. All right, I'm going to read from the message just because I like the translation of this better. Um, it's, it's real simple to understand, all that good stuff. Uh, and it's basically talking about how Jesus is our life. Like literally, he is, everybody do this. <sighs> that right there, guess, guess where that came from. You remember, you remember what Jesus said? You remember uh, what the word of God says is that all things were made for, to, and through Jesus, right? So whenever I go like this, oh, that comes from Jesus, right? So everything that I possess, my very life, everything that I am, my eternity, my future, me being raised from the dead belongs to Jesus, right? Everything, okay? So this is what Collisions 3 says. And I probably said that wrong. Colossians. (laughs) All right. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ is about. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Jesus, around Christ. That's where the action is. See see things from His perspective. Okay? Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ your real life, remember shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. All right, before I read on, um, I just—I want to point something out here. Y'all notice how he keeps saying Christ is your life, right? We're, you know, when I, when I look at myself and I see all the things that I'm busy about in my life, right? All the things that I'm focused on, maybe pursuits, whatever it is, you know, uh, for someone, their pursuit might be to save enough money to get that new bass boat, right? Uh, for others, hey, man, it might be, for uh, a lot of you guys in here, it's to get that college degree, right? And uh, for some of you guys, yeah, for all? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so, it you know, it's to get that college degree, um, and for some of you guys, that really possesses your heart. I mean, every day you wake up, that is what's on your mind, you know, is that that assignment, that test, that um, walking across that stage, you know, uh, what you're going to do after you get this degree, you know, oh, man, there's maybe there's success in this, right? And all that. And God says, man, all that's done. It's all it's all done compared to me. That's that's not what I want your focus on. In your heart, right? Because all that, it's temporary, right? All that is temporary and fading. And there's, there's something that's eternal that God wants us to keep our eyes on. Uh, he says, right here, he says, And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, that life of, of death, right? That old life. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, Lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. This is idolatry. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Guys, when I was reading through this in the message, I didn't realize uh, that this is what he meant. Whenever they like break it down in our language, that a, shape, uh, a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God, and and doing whatever you feel like it whenever, you, or doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it. You know. So could you imagine, if you, if you see your life, and your life is this deal of, you know, I do what I feel like doing all day, you know, I, uh, and whenever I feel like it, I imagine and picture the things that I want to do tomorrow and, you know, this and that, right? He's saying this kind of life, living that way, looking that way, right, that being your vision of your heart is idolatry, Right? Because is that not what Christ crucified on the cross, right? All the old nature, all that belonged to the natural man, right? All that belonged to the natural man, he crucified on the cross 2,000 years ago. He said, this was not bearing fruit for me. It wasn't doing what I expected it to do. It was less than par, right? And so I'm doing away with it, right? On that cross, he did away with the natural man, Okay, and so now what God wants us to do is he wants us to come into agreement with that fact, right? Well, if Christ did away with that natural man, then he wants us to say, okay, say doing away with the natural man was like $1,000 in your pocket, right? Doing away with the natural man's in my pocket. So now he wants us to actually piddle with that a little bit and say, I'm done away with the natural man. I personally, I'm done away with the natural man. I was dealt with at the cross. Right? My natural pursuits go in that direction, all that, it was all dealt with at the cross. And it's mine, it's my possession. Right? One of the greatest treasures, guys, that we have is being put to death at the cross. Right? Because what does the Bible say? He who has died is freed from sin. How many of y'all want to be free from sin? Oh man. That's, that's one of the most groaning pursuits of our life is to be free from sin. And to gain God's glory, right? His, his love, the very reflection and expression of him, right? So he is saying, look, I crucified you. And what is true is what happened at the cross. What is not true is what you're feeling right now, right? That's a lie. And y'all know magicians, they're really good at lying, right? The best magicians don't just speak a lie. They demonstrate a lie. They get you feeling it. They get you thinking it. You can live it. The greatest liars on the earth are the ones that live it out in front of you, right? And so could you imagine there is something that has been settled in eternity. You've been crucified with Christ. That was the truth, right? When you look at your own self, you look at your own life, you don't see your life anymore. You have to look to Jesus to see your life, right? You have to see what he's already accomplished for you to see your life. You don't, you don't look to yourself right? If I look at myself, I see my feelings. I see my thoughts. I see my inadequacies. I see this bump on my forehead, you know, all that stuff. And what does that do? That fills me up with all kinds of inadequacy, guilt, feelings, you know, and it starts getting me to drive to pursue something of perfection, but something that is contrary to God. You know what I'm saying? And then I start not reflecting his glory, right? And all that. And so, um, so what he did was he crucified us on the cross, right, in his body, and we are to identify with that. How many of y'all already know what I'm sharing with you about that, that we are to identify with the truth that has already been accomplished for us? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's interesting to me that the way is a person. It's not a path. The truth is a person. Everything, all of your existence and all that you are is in Jesus. All that was demonstrated through Jesus, all, all that was accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection, that's the truth of your existence, right? That's the truth of where you're going in life, right, for all eternity. That's the truth of, of, of how you can actually live in this life. Y'all know we can live with the resurrection power and life of God in our inner being right now. If we will consider ourselves crucified with Christ, we consider ourselves dead to sin that we have died, right? And it is His life now within me. Now I need to consider that fact. I need to consider that it's now His life living through me. It's no longer my life anymore. And hey guys, that's a place of rest, right? Because a dead man, can you condemn a dead man? Can you judge a dead man? He's dead, isn't he? I mean, you can accuse him, you can do all this stuff, but he's dead, right? But if you're trying to act like you're living, I can accuse you all day, and you're going to feel the feelings of accusations, you're going to, all that stuff, but if you consider yourself crucified, that you're a dead person to the world, you're a dead person to Satan, right? You're a dead person to sin, and you're alive to God, right? His life is your life now, right? Right? Okay, all right, let's see here. Um, God condemns idolatry because it distorts our view of him, okay? The The second commandment is about trying to turn the true God into something else. It's about trying to improve God by fashioning him in our own image. How many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, but are guilty of trying to picture God as something different than what you've seen in the word? Or maybe before you knew what the Scriptures had said, you had kind of pictured God a certain way, you know? But that wasn't the actual truth. You know, I've, I've had many conversations with people in my past where, you know, they would give me a, a depiction of who God is, and they were just showing me their heart. They were showing, you know, they think that God is, uh, is angry, you know, or that he's... Uh, That he's just out to like, you know, it's like here we're like a little game and he's just playing tokens with a game, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But that's that's not him, because right here it's saying that he's jealous over us and that he loves us. and He's willing to do whatever it takes to gain us back as his possession. Right. Um, This is what the Israelites did when they made an image of God, such as the golden calf in Exodus 32, one through four. Uh, notice that they didn't ask for a new God. The Israelites didn't ask for a new God when they did what they did. Uh, But they asked for an image of God that they could touch, see, and feel. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but whenever you, when you read that story, they placed all the attributes of God that had been revealed to them onto that golden calf, right? So they were, they wanted something that they could feel, touch, see, all that. And notice right after that, when they placed all of God's identity onto that golden calf, what was instantaneously the next thing that happened with them? What happened? They, start, they started doing like sexual sins, all this stuff. They were, you know, they, they started becoming darkened automatically, right? Sin started just... Putting them in bondage automatically, as soon as their eyes got off of the truth of who God is, sin started just enveloping them, right? You ever noticed that? So one way, uh, well, I'll I'll go into that in a second, but uh, let's see here. Anytime we try to define God in our own way, his blessing is not on it. Therefore, bondage will come seeping in because our view isn't in line with the truth. Okay, how many of you guys, and you don't have to raise your hand, you're still struggling with sin? I mean, you're, and what I mean is even just, I'm, I'm talking, there's like these few, there's these certain sins in your life that you just can't break free from. You know, and you're just like, what in the world, you know, I, I keep struggling with this same thing and, and now it's almost becoming my life. You know, it's, it's ever before me. It's constantly in front of me and all that. Well, guys, there's, there's a good chance that the way we see God, that there, our heart isn't lining up with the truth because if our heart was lining up with the truth, we would be set free from the bondage of that sin. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that to condemn you guys. I'm saying this from personal experience. I, I've, had, I've had many different sins in my life that uh, were like huge bondage things. A lot of things that men struggle with, all that kind of stuff, and guys, I, I was reading this thing by Watchman E. One day, you know, it was a guy named Watchman E. He died for the sake of the gospel in China, and all that. But and and that's what he brought up was the fact that you were dead to sin, and you need to consider yourself as 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 dead to sin. You know, that you're a dead man to it. It could poke you. It can do all that, but you're dead to it. You're a dead man, right? Uh, and your life is Christ now. Well, all of a sudden. When I considered myself dead and that God was my life, that his life was in me, y'all know what happened? The Holy Spirit rose within me and it overcame that sin. I'm shooting straight with you, right? Whatever that thing that was tormenting me, the Holy Spirit rose up and overcame that sin for me. It's very interesting, okay? And I'm learning this as I go for the rest of my life that it's, it's not me trying to overcome the sin. It's Christ in me. You know, what does he say? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus says, take heart, because I have overcome the world, right? Jesus has overcome the world, so he can overcome sin in you, right? It's his spirit. It's his power. He says, put to death the deeds of the flesh, how? By the spirit. He didn't say, put to death the deeds of the flesh by your soul, by your mind and your will, by your willpower. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. He didn't say that. By your emotions, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Get passionate about it. Come on, start beating yourself to death about it. You know, No, he didn't say that. He said, by the Holy Spirit, by the presence of Jesus on the inside of you, because you're a dead man, it's his life in you. And your life is no longer defined by, that, by your own strength. It is his life. Now, that's why you can rest. That's why it's a place of rest, right? A dead man is in a great rest. He's just chilling. Right, God God said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. I will take my yoke upon you and I will give you rest for your soul. That's what he wants is he wants us to live in rest, right? Well, I'll tell you what, my greatest rest is for me to be dead and for Jesus to be doing the work through me. That's that's the greatest rest. And I can sit there and be a spectator and watch Jesus perform all day long, every day. And that's what my eyes and my heart are being trained on. Right? My heart is being trained on the truth that I was crucified with Christ, that it's no longer me living anymore, but it's Christ living within me and through me, and my li- that now my life is his life within me. I'm identifying myself with him now, right? And that's for the rest of our life, that's what we're, our heart is being trained on, okay? And guys, man, it is such a treasure. It is, it is an awesome treasure to gain the revelation that he is your life it's no longer your strength trying to overcome the sin anymore, but it's his life. There is such a great, and you get full of joy, man. You really do because there's freedom and rest in that. Because you're dead. You're at rest. And it's his life flowing, flowing through you. Okay? Uh, right here he says, uh, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So, viewing God from his revelation of himself and not from our opinions of who he is will lead us into freedom and rest and inner peace. Okay? Uh, y'all, y'all notice, you know, all throughout the New Testament, we say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no one can come to the Father except through me, you know, and uh, we, we look at, uh, let's see here. Just that, Jesus, I'll, and this is what I, what I want to help you guys, we were made in the image of God, right? And after his likeness. So we were made in his image and after his likeness. So we were made to reveal and reflect everything that he is without being he himself, right? Isn't that what a mirror does? A mirror reveals and reflects everything that the object is in front of it without being the object itself, right? Okay, So So if Jesus Jesus says "You you are dead to sin and you're alive in me and my eyes of my heart are on that truth and faith, I believe that fact, guess what's fixing to start reflecting out of me? That fact, that truth, right? Just like the mirror, if that mirror will place the object in front of it, it will start reflecting everything that that object is, right? And so we allow the truth The truth of what happened and was accomplished, the finished work of Jesus. That's what we call it. Y'all ever heard of it said that way? The finished work of Jesus? Yeah. The finished work of Jesus is our truth now. That's what we live by. We don't live by sight anymore. What we feel, taste, touch, and all that. We live by the truth of the gospel, the finished work that was accomplished in Jesus' body on that cross, towards our sin, towards our nature, where we who we are now all that we live we wash ourselves in that truth you see we keep we keep gazing upon the glory of Jesus we keep looking upon him and as we are gazing upon his glory of the truth of the gospel as we keep we, our hearts are trained to look at him we're being transformed into his very image right that's what the bible says right so if your eyes, if your heart are on any other thing than the truth of the gospel, then that's going to become a weight and a burden to you and a, and a torment. It's going to become a, a torment to you for the rest of your life unless you put the truth on it, right? And, and you consider yourself dead to it. Guys, there, there are so many things, you know, I, I think, that, uh, watch many, uh, this guy that I, I really highly respect, he said, you know, the thing that we call sanctification in America, where it takes the whole rest of your life to live a holy life, you know, he said, man, in other countries, people, they're already living in purity and holiness and the, and the resurrection power of God. Like, I mean, a couple of months after their salvation, they're already, you know, they're living in purity. They're living totally clean, Right? No, in America, we're so distracted, guys. We have so many things that the eyes of our heart can be glued and attached to because we're an image, right? So we're constantly groping after something to reflect. But all this stuff that we're trying to reflect, Christ crucified and said it's temporary. You can't draw life from it, right? You can't live for those anymore. That will be considered sin to you. Right, it'll be considered falling short, and you will always have this feeling of guilt and inadequacy, less than par, until you continue to look, and until you look at me, right, and you see your life in me, right. Okay, so he says, uh, so Jesus in Hebrews one three. You guys can go ahead and turn to Hebrews one three if you'd like. All right, Jesus, this is what Hebrews 1, 3 says. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being the outraying or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, right? Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe By his mighty word of power, right? So by his truth, by his mighty word, his spoken word, he's upholding everything, right? His glory is demonstrated in his word, by his word, okay? When he had, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing. When was it done? 2,000 years ago. Accomplished our cleansing of sins. And riddance of guilt 2,000 years ago he, when he offered, and he did that, okay? Uh, the truth is he accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt. He sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high, taking a place and rank by which he himself became as much superior to angels as the glorious name and title which he has inherited is different from, different from and more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today I have begotten you, established you in an official sonship relation with kingly dignity. And again, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. All right. Um, So as you can see, the only image that is agreeable to God for our worship is the person of Jesus Christ. Would you all agree with me on that? Remember, he is the exact imprint, the perfect, complete image of the Father, of God himself, right? And he is the, he is the only one that the Father looks at and says, that's, I agree to that right there. That, that is my image right there, okay? And so, um, let's see here. All right, so if Jesus is the exact image, and the, the very reflection of God himself. What God is saying is we can look upon him. We can gaze upon him as our image, as our object, as our icon, right? And by gazing upon him, this is a pure worship, right? This is, a, this is clean. You can do this, humanity. You can, I'm allowing you to do this. You can gaze upon Jesus. You can gaze upon the truth of the gospel, as your adoration and as your worship and as you're doing this, you're gonna be transformed into my image. That's what I'm after is revealing my glory through my son and then through my people, right? Okay, so 2 Peter 1.3. For God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us and it's according to all the riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. I want y'all to pay attention to two things in here on, in 2 Peter 1.3. Okay, it says, for God has given us all things that pertain to life. We're trying to live life right now, right? That's what we're doing. We're living life, but God has given us all things that pertain to life, right? It's not our life, it's his life, right? That pertain to life and godliness. What are we after? We want godliness, right? We want to live a godly life, And it's through the knowledge of Him. So, how do we gain this life and this godliness? Through the knowledge of Jesus, through knowing Jesus. Do y'all see that? Through the knowledge of the gospel, through the knowledge of the truth, we have been given life, inner life. Well, we can actually go, I feel like I have life in me right now, and not death, and not guilt and sin. Right, hey, if I've got guilt and fear and sin and death rolling in me, is that not death rolling in me? Right, and we call that our life, but is that really our life? No, our life is found, and we will literally even feel life flow through us. Right, when we gaze upon Jesus and acknowledge the very truth of our existence in Jesus. Right, and I, and we identify ourselves with Him. Okay. Uh, All right. In John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, he says this. A time will come, however, indeed it is already here, when the true, genuine worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Another translation, when it says truth, it says in spirit and in reality. They will worship God. Right? There will come a time... And he says, uh, for the Father is seeking just such people as these, as his worshipers. God is a spirit, a spiritual being, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? So y'all know I don't have to sit there and go, oh, praise God, worship you, you know, and all that to be worshiping him. Y'all know all I have to do is acknowledge the very truth on a perpetual basis in my heart, and that's me worshiping him. Because he said there will come a day where they will worship me in spirit and in truth. So when my eyes are gazing upon the truth, that's me worshiping God. Do you see that? And you will even experience it within your own body. You'll feel an inner peace start flooding through you. Guess what that means? That's God agreeing. He's saying, yep, you're doing what's right. You see? You're, you're having faith in me. So I'm pleased with that. I agree. Here's peace. Peace. Here's, I'm settling you. I'm giving you rest just like I promised. It's like a principle. It's like the law of gravity, right? Gravity is there whether you believe in it or not. And you, uh, you experience it whether you believe in it or not, right? Well, the truth, of the, the truth of your existence and what was done in Jesus is there whether you believe in it or not, right? But I could, I could have, a, I could have you know, this big oil uh, mass underneath my ground right, of my land, and and all day long I could go, I know I've got this big oil mass underneath my ground that I could get a bunch of money from. Oh, man, it's, look, it's it's even, let me tell you all the dimensions of it, right? It's this big, it's this deep, it's got all this stuff, right? But if you never tap into it, will you ever receive the benefits from it? No. And that's what we do a lot of times. It's like we analyze the scriptures, we try to figure out God, and all this, and we've gained all the knowledge of God, we've analyzed every dimension of that oil and all that, but we have never tapped in and just rested in it, right? And to, to the riches and glory of it, you know? Um, that actually, that happened to me, I guess, about a year ago, um, God spoke that to me. He, he, he pointed a chair out to me, and he said, Chris, this is you right now. He said, You're, you know every dimension of this chair, Right? You, you've, you've figured everything out about it, but you don't know how to rest in it. Right? You think that it's all found and trying to figure it all out. It's a hard thing. You've got to take it in as your very own, as your possession. It's your possession. It's yours personally, intimately. Right? It is your idol. Jesus is your idol. He is your life, He is everything for you.